right, welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and host of Business Matters. We air on Real Talk 93.3 every Sunday at 11.30 a.m., or you can check us out on Apple Podcast or go to beanteam.com. We've got all the shows there, so you can link to those and listen to those. Uh, you know what we do on Business Matters. We talk about the matters that affect your business and how to do it better. And we're talking with, uh, we got Chris Dunn back in the house today. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you, Charles. Always a pleasure. Good. This is uh, this is the pre-roll we do before the what we record for the radio show. So we're kind of setting up the show that we're going to do. And this is this is part two. We talked about the effects that a divorce can have or on a business. Mm-hmm. So we've got a, we talk about business issues here. So if we've got a business and we've got uh, one of the spouses that own that business goes through a divorce, what are, what are the effects? How does that uh, come into the valuation calculation, alimony? Very complex. So, you know, what comes to mind is uh, what's, what is the, one of the things that's in the, the press recently? It may be a little old now, but the Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos, their, their divorce. That was, uh, we read that, saw that on the news for, I don't know, a month. Yeah, yeah, it was big news back in uh, spring and summer of uh, this uh, in 2019. And, of course, that's our most wealthiest man in the world at that point in time. And he's still the most wealthiest man in the world uh, because he had a pretty good divorce settlement. Yeah, think about it, man. $118 billion. That's with a B. That's uh, a a lot of money. Yeah, so if... uh, I guess what happens in the state of Florida is your starting point is half of that. So if if mm-hmm. all things being equal and there's no craziness on either side, then the normal thing is she's going to get half of that. So that's a big number. Yeah, I mean it's it's not codified in statute, but it's it's the presumption. And what I always talk about is a legal presumption, meaning if all things are you know all things remain equal and no evidence is is shown otherwise. The judges will generally divide it in half because in the McKenzie and Jeff Bezos, they were married for 25 years. They had four ki- four kids together. Uh, I think we discussed McKenzie uh, was an author. Uh, she was not a, at the author level of Stephen King, right? You know, but even Sting- Stephen King never made 118 billion dollars. That's crazy, selling crazy stuff. money, man. Yeah. So when you have that type of situation, and I know we're just doing the pre-roll here. It, there's a lot of factors, and I know we'll have a chance to talk about those. Sorry. For yes. That. No, that's good. So uh, we're going to talk about that, and let's also for the show let's talk about the the different agreement types that mm-hmm. maybe uh, happened before marriage, after a marriage, or after divorce, and what are some takeaways? What can the 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 couple out there that's not worth 118 billion what what can or what should they do to uh, minimize the pain if and when they go through a divorce in the future. Mm. So I think that anything else you want to get into on the show? Oh, um, plenty, but let's uh, go to the show. All right, let's 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 get that rolling. And with that, we're going to get our, our cue man, our music man. He's going to start us with some music, and we're going to go into the show. Good morning and welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and your host of Business Matters Talk Show right here on 93.3 every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Welcome back. And today we have in the house again 
Chris Dunn. Hey, thanks so much. I love the intro. Man, thank you so much for coming back. You you know, we talked about a prickly subject last show, Mm -hmm. divorce. Oh, yeah. So we ended that show with throwing out a little teaser. The Bezos. The Bezos. Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos. So let's talk about that. So we're going to spend some time diving into that divorce. And that was like top of the news articles for months in 2019 it seems like it was just last week i was looking at that Mm -hmm. but one thing is we were refreshing our memory on this that jeff bezos before the divorce was worth 118 billion dollars just say 120 billion dollars that's crazy that's amazing so there was a probably a lot of attorneys made a lot of money on that divorce hallelujah so (laughs) to your profession hey there were probably even some accountants that made good money on that divorce absolutely so uh Shout out to the accountants and the attorneys that worked on that divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they, they had a nice 2019, and hopefully a nice little Christmas will happen, too. So. Absolutely. So let's let's dive into the um, – tell me, what is the standard? If they were in the state of Florida, the starting point that McKenzie would get upon that divorce? This is a good topic because everybody's pretty familiar with it. Uh, we all understand that he's pretty much a self-made bazillionaire. A technically 118 billionaire. Right. We all understand that she was a pretty dutiful wife, raised four of their kids, and we all understand that he went off to, uh, you know, whisking his mistress away on his private jet, cheating on her. And that's, that's not great facts. That is not good for him. So, what, so when you start out with that 50-50, that may go the other way. Yeah. And so, you, but let's just keep with the simple issues right here. The Because we're talking about business and we got to talk about valuation and we talk about the presumptions we have. So in the state of Florida, if Jeff Bezos and Mackenzie Bezos were married in the state of Florida, you know, divorced in the state of Florida, what would happen? Well, pretty much for lack of better words, even though Mackenzie Bezos claims to be an author, like I said in the last uh, round, you know, she's not at the level of Stephen King or J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter author. Right, right. And even those authors probably they, aren't at Jeff Bezos' level. I mean, I'm sure Stephen King made many millions and so did J.K. Rowling, but I'm not sure either of them. Well, maybe J.K. Rowling did a billion, but. Yeah, she's probably close. Mm-hmm, but definitely not $118 billion. So even if she were a very, very successful author, you know, what is the income disparity between him and her? Right. Well, even if she were J.K. Rowling level good, that's still at a one billion a year or one billion valuation. He's still 117 billion higher. So in the state of Florida, what you have to look at is the length of the marriage. In this case, 25 years. As I mentioned in the last program, 17 years is uh, what we call a long-term marriage in the state of Florida, and it's presumptive that in a long-term marriage, alimony shall be paid. Now, in this case. What you have to look at is what is the value of the business, and we're going to go back on that. This is great because it's a public health company. We can figure out the valuation day to day based on the number of stocks, stock price, et cetera. With you know, good old stuff, good old fashioned right. bookkeeping. In this issue, he's worth 118 billion. I'm going to assume she didn't do a billion dollars worth of book sales, so we'll just call her zero in terms of actual assets. You have to take a look at, of course, the marital assets. You know. The 118 billions in the company, it's held uh, by him pretty much. He's, I think he has 16% of the stock prior to uh, the divorce happening. And what happens is 
And one of the things you wanted me to talk about was what to do to protect your assets before you ever get married, after you get married, and at the various types of contractual agreements you can arrange into when you're, you know, the, the stuff hits the fan. Right. So first and foremost, my advice to everybody is don't get married. You're going, what the heck, Chris? Well, number one, if you get married. That's, always, per, that's pretty harsh, Chris. It is. It is. But think about this. If you go out and meet some girl and you have a great time with her and you end up having a kid and you split, you're just going to pay child support. If you go out and meet a girl, have a great time with her, marry and have a kid, your assets are on the line. So, you know, pay child support and call it a day versus pay child support and split half your assets, potentially. You did not hear that from me here. That is very skeptical, non-biblical, but let's... That's absolutely non-biblical, but nonetheless, the way the law is written is you're going to be paying more if you're married. It's unfortunate, but true. So... You can avoid certain things through a prenup. You can't avoid child support through a prenup because the state wants you to pay child support. They need you to pay child support. That's your responsibility. Absolutely. But can you avoid um, parsing out your assets, your marital assets? Your your non-marital assets are pretty much protected. Uh, You know, if I go into a marriage and I already have my home and my car, that's not a marital asset. That's a premarital asset. Premarital, so that's not Mm -hmm. split. Exactly. Now, if I go in the... uh, marriage and the house that I own increases in value from 100000 to 200000 the soon-to-be ex-wife can actually claim half of that increase, increase. Okay. so potentially 50000 in that scenario. So even if you uh, own your house before, you sell the house and roll the, the cash from that sale into the marital house, mm-hmm. is, that, is that cash that's rolled in still considered premarital? Uh, certainly the portion that you put in. Right. Right. Uh, but once that, uh, you know, after the marriage happens and the increase. Right, that's marital. Exactly. Got it. Okay. And so, so the so, prenup is a great way to, you know, you know, have things, you know, somewhat contained. Now, of course, prenups are always, you know, people worry, oh, geez, Louise, you know, this guy wants me to sign a prenup or this girl wants me to sign a prenup. I've seen rich girls marry poor guys and get prenups. <laughs> yeah, it stinks. It's not really cool. It's kind of harsh as the vibe for a marriage or it potential does. marriage. Throws but, a little cold water on that marriage. Yeah. But that's one great way to do things. Uh, it's not the most romantic, but it's very calculated and it's very good because it uh, allows you to get a result. The problem with prenups are oftentimes people will go into a prenup, they'll have their lawyer prepare the prenup, and they'll just hand it to the person and say, hey, you got to sign it. And the other person, of course, is broke, presumably, and won't go to a lawyer, and he or she will just sign it. And so prenups can be invalidated if you don't have competent counsel. Oh. Yeah. It has happened. Um, it's essentially what they call an adhesion contract, meaning you're forced to sign it. Uh, you're signing under duress. So in a prenup, let's keep it simple. So a prenup, if if you execute a prenup prior to marriage, obviously, then does that outline how the assets are split at the end? Yes, assuming that certain assets are covered by the prenup. Okay, so if you if you're able to identify all the assets that – exist at that point and in the future you're mm-hmm. able to you're able to even uh design how marital assets are split yes and there's also another vehicle called a postnuptial agreement pretty simple prenup means you do it before the marriage postnuptial means you do it maybe right after the marriage or several years after the marriage and that's of course kind of neat so let's say for example here i am young chris dunn making diddly when i'm a prosecutor then all of a sudden 
I see myself, you know, I got to leave the state. I'm going to open my own firm. And I, I have a talent for doing X, Y, and Z. And I tell my, my then wife or say, hey, honey, I'm going to, you know, do this firm. It's going to be all me, blah, blah, blah. I want you to sign a post-nup. Now, presumably, if she has competent counsel with her and the competent counsel signs that, uh, says this post-nup doesn't look like it's, you know, outrageous, unconstitutional, et cetera, and she signs it, that post-nup is still good. So what could have happened in the Bezos situation before they, at the time they started or, or before they started Amazon, mm-hmm. he could have done a post-nup. Yeah, and so, and a post-nup is oftentimes, and a prenup can oftentimes protect the other party if that business venture goes south. Because remember, as a married couple, your debts are on both of you. Right. So you can say, look, you know, I'm going to go in a risky business venture trying to sell books over the Internet. What's the Internet, honey? Uh, we'll figure that out later. Hmm. You know, just let me, you know, invest this. And by the way, if it goes, you know, bottoms up, you will not be – I will take – I will indemnify you. I will take over any, you know, uh, You have debts. no downside risk. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way to sell a, a prenup. Sure or post-nup, then your next type of thing is, unfortunately, what we call the settlement agreement. That's after the decision's been made. That's after, yeah, exactly. You, you file the papers, and all of a sudden, you both parties come to the mediation table, the mediators, uh, you have your experts with you, you have your mediation summary, and as I mentioned in our last program, hopefully your valuation experts are relatively close, and you say, look, you know, if we go to trial, it's going to cost this much, I'll drag it out this long, and by the time we're done... Nobody's going to have any assets except your lawyer and my lawyer. Let's just call it a day. And in the Bezos case, that's what they did. He was worth $118 billion. She basically settled for one-third of his wealth. Hmm. Uh, I think we looked at it, and it said Mackenzie Bezos received $38 billion in Amazon stock, and she gave away her voting rights to the stock to Jeff, which I think is rational because he's been growing the company. Uh you know the stock is fungible, so let them let them control those rights. Sure. The the million dollar question is what happens if she sells those stocks to those lack of of uh, do they get voting the voting rights, rights back? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'm sure there's probably something in that settlement agreement where it says she can't dump the stock within you know three weeks of of right. receiving it. But in the McKenzie and Jeff Bezos thing in Florida, all things remaining equal, she would have gone to court. He would have gone to court, and assuming you know no no uh, flies in the ointment she would have probably walked out with half of the 118 billion so roughly 59 billion so there was um i think we mentioned this in the previous show this is a good example of what is the what's the true valuation well that true valuation is what both parties agree as to the valuation so my guess is both jeff and mckenzie were not happy with that settlement but there was an agreement reached that She's going to get thirty something million dollars, billion, billion dollars, mm-hmm. rather than fifty eight, fifty nine, sixty billion. And I, you know, I mean, according to her, she's going to give half half of that money away to charity. So maybe she wasn't too mad at the settlement. To her, maybe she realized, you know, I don't need, but more than you know, what's that? Thirty eight divided by two, math, 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 nineteen billion. Right. And I mean, I couldn't figure out what to do with one point nine billion, but it'd be a nice challenge, right? <laughs> But, you know, at the end of the day, you only live so long, and I don't know how you spend that much money. But. Right. And we're, I don't know what the uh, what her alimony is either. She mm-hmm. had There's got to be child support for the kids. If they're over, yeah, if they're under 18, there would be. And it looks like for them, it was a, the settlement was just a lump sum. 
and that was the one-third valuation of, or one-third essentially of his value at $38 billion. And I say that 38 times three is roughly uh, just under 100, uh, 100, I think it's about 100, well, math, it's just under $120 billion, which right. is where That's he's right. at. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's probably not a bad shake. Because when you do go to court, court's stressful. Court, oh, yeah. I mean, people don't go to court maybe but once or twice in their life unless they're my repeat felony offender clients. They just, they, maybe they enjoy it. Yeah. So what happened in that situation? So we say a settlement. So mm-hmm. you still have your experts, your attorneys, your accountants on both sides. Do you, And you said arbitration or mediation. Mm-hmm. So it's not a situation where the attorneys can draw something up and they swap papers, they sign it, and it's done. They still have to go through an arbitration or mediation? What, well, what's the process there? What happens is prior to trial in Florida, there's basically mandatory mediation. And mediation is a great time where you can actually talk to a, the opposing party directly. So as a lawyer, I can't, you know, if you and I were married, gay marriage, right, uh, and we file for divorce and I have a lawyer, you have a lawyer, I would not, my lawyer wouldn't be able to talk to you directly because he would have to go through your attorney. Correct. On a mediation, you know, what you have is you have two parties in the same room and you as an attorney can actually say, look, Mr. Musgrove, here's the here's the deal. I don't know if your lawyer's explained it to you this way, but this is what you're looking at. This is the the bottom line. And likewise, your attorney can finally talk to me. He'll talk to my lawyer and me, but mm-hmm. he can actually just talk to me directly and not hope that my lawyer relays the importance of our situation. Right. And so the mediation's a great because it actually has gets the two parties in a room. And they're not required to do anything except to just get there. They can, you can have a mediation which is successful where you get a settlement agreement. Or you can have a mediation which is unsuccessful where you have an impasse. And an impasse basically says, look, judge, we tried and we got to go to court. And But in the case of the Bezos situation, I think at the end of the day – there's so much money that if she took one third or one half, did it make a difference? Right. You know, for her, hey, all right, Mark, go hang out with your, you know, Argentina chica on a, you know, private jet. I'll take one third. What can I do with it? Hell, I'm going to even give away half of the one third that I'm taking to charity. So, well, it makes her look like the bigger person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, in that situation, you had the the valuation, the settlement. And the alimony all rolled up in one in one lump sum payment of thirty eight billion. If you have to take it to a judge, you know what would the judge do? Well, Miss Bezos, you're accustomed to living at the lifestyle of fifteen million dollars a year. You know, Mark, you're you're required to pay her uh, fifteen million dollars, or well, maybe not fifteen, but seven point five million dollars to keep her in somewhat of a similar lifestyle, and you potentially end up having to pay half. So if he says to McKenzie, look, I can give you $40 billion right here. Call it a day. Heck, yeah. I mean, $40 billion is a lot of money. Right. Now, of course, this is such an untypical, atypical <clears throat> marriage or divorce in that scenario. That's a beauty of such high-dollar value stuff. It's when you have these, you know, assets are near a million, and you don't have all that long-term cash flow. So you're saying have. the margin of error is a lot greater in a $120 billion case than a $1 million case. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to actually reverse that. I'm going to say the the pain is a lot more in a million-dollar case there than it go. is in a in a in the $120 billion case because a million doesn't go that far anymore. 
You know, back when we were kids, a million dollars. That's what they ransomed all the hot, you know, hot, hot, hot stuff people for, right? That's right. You know, nowadays you can't, you know, walk and chew gum and get a fine and pay it off if you get a million. So it's, it's, you know, I mean, think about that. I mean, you know, that is not a lot of money in terms of, especially with our inflation rates going up and all that jive. Now, typically, when we go back to the business, you see in operating agreements or stockholder agreements in a closely held business where they protect against the death of a spouse that runs the business or divorce and they they build that into the agreement so they don't they don't necessarily want family members coming in and running the business or taking over what that one owner was doing in the business they they rather let's settle out let's mm-hmm. pay you let's pay the the deceased or the the buyout the yeah. buyout let's let's address the buyout so typically mm-hmm. that's handled separately from or in addition to a prenup or any other type of agreement. And that's a darn good point to make, you know, and if you have a a partnership or, you know, a closely held corporation with, you know, quite a few people, more than just two, you do want to address that because what happens if you're in the plumbing, you know, business, you know, Bob and Tim's plumbing and Bob dies, well, you don't want Bob's wife to be an owner of the plumbing store because she probably wouldn't know how to order the the PVC and the U joints and the this joint and that joint. So you do have that buyout provision. If you don't, you need to get an operating agreement that does address that. Uh, the hard part is, you know, what happens at the end of the guy's life and there's not enough money. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. that, you, I mean, we, we're kind of skipped around from mm-hmm. divorce to, to death, but those are, those are real issues that you want to make sure you address in your, in your operating or your stockholder agreement. So, because those things are going to happen. And just like with the prenup, it's better to deal with those mm-hmm. when everything is good, everybody's alive, business is good, hopes and aspirations are, are at their highest. So let's deal with those issues at that point. And I've also seen the difficulty when in those agreements to assign a value or assign some type of formula to determine the value. I think the worst thing you can do is leave that blank. Absolutely. Go, go to simple calculations, simple methods that people can understand and base it on not blue sky, but mm-hmm. base it on reality of we can we can calculate book value. We can mm-hmm. calculate pre- previous cash flow. We can do these calculations. We can assign some type of multiple to EBITDA. So go ahead and address the valuation issue at the time when everything's good, everything's fresh. Then it's not a, a crisis at the end because if you don't, just like the the prenup and the divorce. If you don't deal with those up front and early and have things lined out, then it creates a lot more havoc at the end. It, Absolutely. What's it called? Uh, our our favorite commercial guy is mayhem. So <laughs> yeah, you're, you, mayhem you have guy, mayhem yeah. at the end if mm-hmm. you don't address those issues and those valuations up front. So just like with your prenup or your postnup, your uh, your operating agreement and your stockholders agreement, deal with those issues at that point so you're not dealing with the settlement agreement when tensions are high and cash is needed at that point. And that's a great point. Come up, even if you don't know what the future value is going to be, come up with an agreed upon value valuation uh, formula. Right. I mean, if you can agree on the valuation formula now, obviously you may not know what the, uh, the company will be worth in 20 years, but if you can agree on that now, that's just one less thing the judge has to juggle with because most often lawyers don't come from an accounting background. Lawyers oftentimes come from, you know, the political science, civics, you know, law, not pre-law, you know, you're kind of, you know, non-STEM type of uh, right. situations. 
and then you're forcing the judge to figure out which one's the best, and he has to listen to two, two experts on which one, which valuation of formula is the best. If you can just say, look, we may not know what it is, but here's the standard, you know, best um, best standards, you know, valuation right. formula. Let's put this in, and, you know, you'll get one-third, I get two-thirds. Why am I getting one-third, honey? Well, because you're going to be a nurse, and you're going to make a lot more money for these, you know, the first 10 years while I will be struggling. And so, you know, I definitely want to, you know, build you in something but when i start my efforts pay off well you don't love me i do love you if you love me you'll sign it all right yeah so if you if you that's a that's a good point if you have questions on that contact contact me at beanteam.com or chris i know that you'll be more than happy to take those questions too because those are those are um when we do those valuations and you and you apply it to today's situation and you keep the formula simple then you Mm -hmm. can run through Okay, this is what the number looks like at the end, and if you keep it simple, that 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 increases the understanding that everyone has and the expectation. And then when you actually have to do the calculation at the end, when the event happens, there's there's less feelings hurt, there's less consternation that people have to go through. There's a simple maxim that we say in the practice of law: the less variables, the better. You know, take out the variables, and if you eventually only have one disagreement on one item. You hand it to the judge. As much as you may not like it, as much as you may not feel it, you know, there are going to be points where both you all disagree. But if you can take out as many variables as you can and just have the judge look at one oh, yeah. and make that decision on just one item, at least you can have some solace in the fact that, you know, hey, it wasn't her fault, it wasn't my fault, it's darn judge's uh, opinion. Well, Chris, that's, uh, that's good common sense. So if, if we think of the divorce and the effects on businesses – what are some takeaways from the Bezos? Is it, uh, I, I won't repeat what you said to start with and don't get married, so we won't use that as an example. But if you're going to get married, the takeaways, if we look at the Bezos situation. Now, I can't remember if I mentioned this uh, off air, but you know the, uh, a prenup is oftentimes pretty advantageous in a, in a Bezos type of situation because he was going on a big venture. And as a married couple... Both y'all share that risk. I mean, if that tanked, she could have been, you know, potentially, you know, hemmed up in debt. So prenup, you know, it may give you the rewards, but it may also take away the the, the punishments if you fail. So that's always a good selling point. So that's the selling point. You can mm-hmm. do that for the postnup too. So Absolutely. That, so that if they had, let's say they had a prenup going into the marriage, and my guess is you can also do a postnup, or you mm-hmm. can do an amendment to that, which exactly. would probably be a postnup. And mm-hmm. okay got this crazy idea we're going to start selling books on the this thing called the internet uh we could make a gazillion dollars or we could lose it all mm-hmm. so Absolutely. i'm going to protect you against the downside and you got a little bit of the upside potential so do you agree with that so and hopefully she says gee well let's take a look at it yeah who buys books we got barnes and nobles we got books and borders we got you know this is all during 1995 oh right? yeah and she's like everybody loves going to bookstores who would want to buy on the internet the internet at 14.4, you know, the good old AOL phone dial-up where you actually remember how to pay oh, to yeah. get online. I remember those and the noise that it made. Yeah, the <laughs> So, you mentioned the Amazon. Hey, this is uh, this is how all this business stuff touches. So, we we talked about Bezos and Amazon. We know Amazon changed the sales tax world, too. Multi-state tax issues. So, oh, sales, yeah. sales tax issues. We've had a show on that. So... Uh, we had Steve Hogan on that show, and we talked about 
the uh, multi multi state tax issues, the Wayfair decision. Mm-hmm. It all relates back to this uh, this guy named Jeff Bezos and his <laughs> idea with let's sell books, let's sell stuff over the internet. So, hey, it's all tied together. You get the nuggets here on Business Matters. Thank you for listening today, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us again. This has been a a great show. Good stuff. Stuff off the headlines. So, yeah. Man, thank you so much. I had a blast. I, I just call me back anytime, and we're, I'll babble some more. We're going to do it again. And listen, next week, Sunday at 1130, check out our other shows on Apple Podcasts. Go to beanteam.com. We've got all our shows listed there. I am Charles Musgrove, host of Business Matters. You're listening to Real Talk 93.3. Have a blessed week, great day, and peace. Thank you.